So today we're going to talk about creation. And so Genesis 1-1, a very famous verse, says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. When you think of how stupendous that is, it's really quite understated, actually. So creation is very important, considering it is the first verse of the Bible. We study origins because all of us need to know a sense of our identity and purpose. And we get that from origins. What we believe about our origin affects our self-worth, our relationships, and even our view of God. There's widespread acceptance in the world, and even among many Christians, that evolution has been proven by science. And therefore, the biblical account of creation is false. But really, it's impossible for science to prove origins because the scientific method is based on observation and experimentation, which is impossible to do with origins. Nobody was there to conduct the experiments but God. And so scientists know if they want to keep receiving grant money, if they want to keep their positions, they have to toe the company line. I find that the problem with scientists is they desperately want to become philosophers and speculate on what must have happened. But evolution, at best, is only a theory, and the truth of the matter is it's a belief, not a proven fact. George Wald from Harvard University won the Nobel Prize in science. Listen to what he says. When it comes to the origin of life on Earth, there are only two possibilities. Creation or spontaneous generation, which is evolution. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago. But that leads us only to one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. I'm surprised how candid his admission is. You wouldn't expect that. Dr. Watson of the University of London wrote, Evolution has been accepted by scientists not because it has been observed to occur or proved by logical, coherent evidence to be true, but because the alternative is clearly unacceptable. Actually, both views, the creation view and the evolution view, require faith. There are a lot of contradictions between evolution and creationism. So if you're thinking in your mind, somehow I I can hold to evolution and hold to biblical Christianity, you're mistaken because there are supreme contradictions here. Those views are not compatible from Scott M. Hughes in The Collapse of Evolution. The Bible, God is creator. Evolution, natural chance processes account for the existence of all things. The Bible The world was created in six literal days. Evolution. The world evolved over billions of years. Those are contradictory statements. The Bible. Creation is completed. Evolution continues. Bible. Oceans before land. Evolution. Land before oceans. Bible. Life began on earth. 
Evolution. Life began in the oceans. Bible. Earth before sun and stars. Evolution. Sun and stars before earth. Bible. All stars made on the fourth day. Stars evolved at various times. The Bible. Birds and fish created on the fifth day. Fish evolved over hundreds of millions of years. Bible. Man created from the earth. Evolution. Man evolved from monkeys. The Bible. Man's sin resulted in death. Evolution. Death existed long before man. Evolution is derived from naturalism, which assumes that all things made themselves. So nothing became something on its own. To me, that takes much greater faith to believe that than to believe the creator God of the universe made everything that is. So let's step away from evolution just a tiny bit and look at four theistic views of creation. I'm helped by Alvin Plantinga of Notre Dame. In this section, first is theistic evolution. That interprets the important Hebrew word yom, which means day, as symbolic or mythological. Therefore, Genesis 1 is a religious story that teaches God is the source of all things. God set the process of evolution in motion, and man did indeed come from apes. I remember sitting in a classroom at Fuller Seminary. And our professor, who was a, believed in theistic evolution, told us that God reached down and touched two apes. And those two apes became Adam and Eve. Now, we objected strenuously. The problem with this is its low view of Scripture. Why would an all-powerful God need the process of evolution? He made human beings in his image, not apes. Secondly, we have the six-day creation view. That interprets the word yom as a literal 24-hour day, which is correct. There are some 1,900 occurrences of that word yom in Scripture, and only 65 depict epic or era. Also, Genesis 1, the writer there, says evening and morning of the first day, and he repeats that six times making it very clear he's talking about a literal 24-hour period. What this means is that our world is relatively young and that a worldwide flood occurred which made the earth appear older in the geological record than it actually is. The third view is called the gap theory. And the gap theory holds that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 are billions of years. So that accommodates evolution. God created the world, but Satan rebelled and ruined it. So God destroyed it and started all over again in Genesis 1-2. The problem with this view is there's no biblical evidence to support it. Plantinga says any kind of worldwide cataclysm would have completely destroyed and disintegrated the sedimentary strata and the fossils that are used as evidence proving long geological ages. The fourth view is called progressive creation, where the word yam means epics or eons of time. God used a combination of supernatural creative interventions 
and the natural evolutionary processes. Again, the problem here is this view puts scripture and evolution on equal footing. So I personally hold to the six-day creation view. I find it's the most biblical view. But because I'm not a scientist, and I don't claim to be, I believe it by faith. And I also lean heavily on other young earth Christian scientists who very well can argue that point. And the fact of the matter is more and more secular scientists are coming around to the fact that there's a creator that brought the universe into existence. And it's funny to me that they reach the mountaintop of that discovery only to find theologians already sitting there. They say God is personal, intelligent, powerful, caring. Same thing we Christians say. They say only a supernatural, intelligent being could create a world with such intricate design that the earth is just the right distance from the sun. The incredible complexity of DNA, you know, the fabric of life. Just take our eyes, for instance, and the process of blood clotting. How could either of those evolve over thousands or millions of years and that species survive? Without blood clotting, the first cut, that thing is dead. Astronomer George Greenstein said, As we survey all the evidence, the thought incessantly arises that some supernatural agency must be involved. Was it God who stepped in and so providentially crafted the cosmos for our benefit? Yes, George, it was. So how old is the earth? The evolutionists say billions of years old. The creationists are divided. Some say hundreds or tens of thousands of years. And some say around 6,000 years old. Dwayne Gish is a young earth creationist. And he writes, the fossil record reveals an absence of life forms in the lower two-thirds of the earth's crust. Then suddenly, in abundant numbers of advanced forms, life appears. The oldest rocks in which indisputable fossils are found are those of the so-called Cambrian period. The Cambrian sedimentary deposits contain billions and billions of fossils of highly advanced and developed life forms from the flood. The complexity of these animals is so great that evolutionists estimate they would require at least one and a half billion years to evolve. We would expect to find billions of evolutionary ancestors of the Cambrian life forms in the pre-Cambrian rocks, but not a single indisputable multicellular fossil has ever been found in the pre-Cambrian rocks. So the fossil record doesn't prove evolution at all. And even Charles Darwin admitted that. And so the missing link is still missing. Now, let me go to a place next where I'm more comfortable. The Bible. Seven truths about creation from God's word. The first, God created everything out of nothing. Ex nihilo. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. 
so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God spoke and everything happened. Everything that we see out in this vast universe was in the mind of God and it happened instantly. It didn't evolve over billions of years. And that fact fills me with awe and wonder at our amazing creator God. Secondly, the Trinity was involved in creation. Jeremiah 33, 2. Thus says the Lord, who made the earth, the Lord, who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, for Jesus. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Genesis 1, 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Creation declares God's glory, as it says in Psalm 19. It reveals his wisdom in Proverbs 3.19. It reveals that he exists in Romans 1.20, and it expresses his sovereignty, Jeremiah 27.5. Number three, creation was properly ordered. There's great order and design in the universe. It isn't haphazard. Creation is the orderly unfolding of the mind of God. It fulfills His divine purpose. This world is not spinning out of control, and either is your life because of God. Number four, it is good. Reread Genesis 1 again, and you'll see all the, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then the creation of humans, it was very good. So don't think of the created world, the material world, as evil. That's Gnosticism. That's Hinduism. God made all things for us to enjoy, so get out there and enjoy it. Number five, humankind is the apex of creation. We read in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. And over, the, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In Psalm 8, 3 to 6. When I look at your heavens. The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So we save baby whales 
and kill baby humans. It's crazy. An atheist evolutionist said this. And just hear this how sad and depressing this thought is. Man is only a random collision of molecules. Just a product of impersonal, plus chance, plus time, just a cog in the vast, purposeless machine. Having just oozed from the slime along with the snail and grub worm. I'm sorry, that ain't me. And you and I know better than to believe that. God wanted a bride for his son, and so he created human beings. We are created in the image of God. We're imagers. So, we're like God. How so? Our personality. We have a mind like God. A will, emotions. Our sexuality is like God. We were created as male and female. Both are aspects of God's divine nature. So, I encourage you, especially young people, love your body. God gave it to you. He created you the way he wanted you to be. And teenagers, I think they really struggle with body image and want to change it and wind up marring God's image that he made them to be. Just wait. Our morality shows we're like God. We were created with a conscience. We know the difference between right and wrong. Our spirituality We're able to relate to God because of the spirit God put in us. Number six, God finished the job. It says in Genesis 2.2, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So we're not still evolving until we reach perfection. We were created perfect. Of course, sin has marred the image. So God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, born as a human being to redeem the world back to himself. God is working to restore Eden again and will at his coming and beyond. And the seventh point I want to make, God will create a new heaven and earth. Let me read from Isaiah 65 and then 2 Peter. For behold, I create... New heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in the sound of weeping. And the cry of distress, no more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the fruit, the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. 
The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Second Peter 3, 7. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. God will one day renovate this world by fire, transforming it into a sin-free place where he will reign forever and we will be there with him. Someone said, this is God's universe and he does things his way. You may have a better way of doing things, but you don't have a universe. The scientist Copernicus wrote, the cosmos was built for us by the best and most orderly workmen. And Kepler, the world is a sacred sermon, a veritable hymn to God. That means we should praise our God for his great creation. Praise him in all the places where he rules. Praise him for each new day. Praise him for his love. And find your purpose in his creation. Praise him for how he made you and value others around you as people made in the image of God. Let's pray. Lord, an important aspect of being Christians and having a Christian worldview is to acknowledge you as the creator, not natural processes that just happened out of nothing. But Lord, you, you made all this and we worship you, our great creator. Thank you for redeeming us from sin. Thank you for a blessed hope that we have of Jesus coming again. This is my Father's world, and we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen.